today is a special Sunday for us as Father's House, as I mentioned uh, just now, in that we get to receive communion together uh, as a community this morning. And uh, our, our hope is that you will find some meaning in, in, and celebration in the wonderful uh, symbol of what, this, of what this is, this practice of communion. And it really is becoming one of our most looked forward to mornings of the whole uh, the whole year together. And the reasoning behind why we receive communion together at the start of the, of the uh, new year is firstly, being a, being a smaller congregation, we have this unique opportunity to do so throughout the year, in fact. Um, you know, practically speaking, it's, it's far easier to receive communion with 100 people as opposed to 1,400 people, like in our other uh, uh, churches. And, and so, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd like to make use of those opportunities uh, as and when we have them. And then spiritually speaking, of course, as a church, we believe in the value and power of placing God first as we begin a new year together. Taking the first service of the year and celebrating something as, as powerful as communion together as a church, we think has, has some spiritual weight to it. Um, you know, New Year's resolutions can be a thing. Uh, New Year's resolutions can be a thing, although mine last about as long as the expiry date on the Willie's chocolate brownie cake that's sitting in the fridge. That's about as long as my New Year's resolutions last. You know, starting a new habit at the beginning of the year can be a thing. You know, got a list of goals you want to achieve can be a thing. Starting a new career path or finding a new rhythm in life can be a thing. So why not take the first Sunday and make communion a thing before anything else? I'm, I'm coming to the cross first at the start of the new year. I'm trusting God first. I'm following him and placing him first before anything else this year. Can you say amen to that, church? And what a, what a better way of, 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 of dedicating ourselves to, 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 the, to the Lord in that way by, by taking this first Sunday and, and remembering his finished work on the cross. So how it will go this morning is that I'll share a brief intro into what communion is. I'll give some, some scriptural context to, to, to what this thing is, is, is all about. For some, it will be a refreshing reminder. For others, it might be a first-time understanding of this, of this precious practice called the Eucharist that we celebrate and that Christians have been celebrating for thousands of years all across the globe. And then from there, I'll take a slightly different and shorter message to normal this morning. I'll tie into one of the main ideas. And then I'm going to ask the band to come and join us as we actually receive communion together towards the end of the service. And then there'll be a time, as I said just now, to, to write some notes down if you'd, if you'd feel comfortable and just stick them on the wall, uh, representing what it is that we're trusting God for as a community uh, this year. Amen. And the idea is that with what we're thanking him for last year and what we're trusting him for this year, the cross is at the center. The cross will be at the center. And that's the reason behind that approach this morning. Is anyone keen to ask the Lord to reveal something new to them this morning as we, as we seek him? A new dream, a new deposit, a new relationship. I thought I heard a subtle amen there, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I'm fishing, I'm fishing. But uh, speaking of church, what, is, what does communion mean? What, 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 do, what do Christians speak about when we, when we talk about the receiving of communion? As a, as a little starting point for this morning, what is the scriptural precedence for, for, this, uh, for, this, for, this, for this partaking as a follower of Jesus? And I, and I think that's an important starting point, by the way. You know, one should never feel the burden to receive communion um, or the, the, the bread and the grape juice or the wine. Um, I thought about having wine, actual wine here this morning, but I think in South Africa there would be a very interesting uh, uh, context, you know. We might have a queue um, at the communion station. I know the ceremony is lacquer, me and my four cousins. We, um. <clears throat> but but you, should, you should never feel obligated 
right? To, to, to have to receive communion. If you're still figuring out your faith journey and if you aren't sure yet of the whole God thing and the whole church thing, we won't ever force a practice like that on you or any of the other church sacraments, you know, baptism, prayer, fasting, whatever it is. If you aren't comfortable that you know where you are with God, we want there to be a, a clear understanding first before you, you, you take this, this step of faith and before you join believers that, that understand this to be an expression of their personal relationship with the Lord. And so part of our message uh, this morning is for that reason. I want to make sure that we all still receive something uh, from church today. And so what is the basis? Having said that, what is the basis? Well, the word Eucharist, just F-Y-R, this part's for free, uh, comes from the Greek word Eucharista, which means Thanksgiving. It means Thanksgiving. And broken down even further, one of the root words in the Greek is the word charis, right, which is grace. So if you wanted a fuller definition, you could say that Holy Communion is a sacrament or practice that demonstrates thankfulness to the Lord for His grace. Isn't that beautiful? This demonstrates thankfulness to the Lord for His charis, His grace over our lives. Um, and this, this verse... This verse, by the way, is, is, is one of the reasons why in some of the more traditional church denominations like the Catholic faith, they will literally hold the bread and the wine as the real presence of Christ. It's, it's taken very seriously, and that's how sacred those, those symbols are. And, and, and I mean, Jesus uses some pretty direct language when he explains, when he talks about the symbols that we hold in our hands. And, and, and here's, the, here's the passage where we read about the first communion service. That took place. It's it's known as the Last Supper or the First Lord's Supper, uh, and it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, I've chosen Matthew twenty six as our reading for for this for this um, narrative of what took place. And this is Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed. That's why it's called the Last Supper. This would be the Last Supper that he would have with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And Judas is at the table, and uh, he's about to betray him. Right. So it's quite a quite an intense scene. And this is where we, where we read about the institution or, the, or, or, or Jesus rather instituting this wonderful practice called communion. Matthew 26, verse 26 uh, to 30, it says this. As they were eating, there it is, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Can everyone say broke it? Broke it. Gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. You see the seriousness of the language, the wording that he's using there. Then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink uh, from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's such a beautiful promise. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So we can, we can immediately see from this passage what those symbols are that we use for communion, right? The bread represents Jesus' broken body. And the wine or the juice, that represents his blood that was shed. His body broken for our healing. His blood shed, poured out for our forgiveness. Because his death, friends, was for our forgiveness. It was for our redemption. It was for our victory. It was for our wholeness. Spirit, soul, and body. And that is what we remember when we receive communion. We remember the sacrifice and the victory of the cross on our behalf whenever we receive Holy Communion together. And that's why it's called Holy Communion, by the way. It was a holy sacrifice that was made. It was the perfect Son of God made, but that, that sacrifice made for us. 
And uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he details this further. He explains this when he writes his letter to the church in Corinth, another famous passage on communion. Um, by the way, just before we put it up on the screen, um, <laughs> if we did have real wine here this morning, and if, and if there was a queue to, to receive it, we wouldn't be the first church in the world where they had an issue with communion and wine. I mean, some of us probably know the history of the Corinthian church. It was chaotic, to say the least. It was, it was wild. It was actually pretty funny, um, to be honest. I mean, literally, some people were going hungry and some people were getting drunk on the communion wine in church. And literally, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, so when you come together for the Lord's Supper, welcome one another. And if anyone is, is hungry, eat at home. Please, <laughs> don't come here hungry because you're getting full. Others are getting drunk. Come on, just be normal. Don't be weird. It's amazing. The Bible is amazing. But this, this chapter, this 1 Corinthians uh, 11, is where he tells the church how to go about this, this precious practice of our faith. And this would, this would be his teaching to the church. This would be the template that we use to follow to commemorate this final meal that Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross. And I've included the larger chapter here just for some of that humor that I was talking about so you can see how insane this, this church was. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20 to 26 it says, when you come together then, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For with the meal, each one <laughs> eats his own supper. So one person is hungry while another gets drunk. I mean, how crazy is that? Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? <laughs> come on, get some KFC on the way, please, please. Um, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Okay, that was a serious turn there. What should I say to you? What should, uh, should I praise you? I don't. But I don't praise you in this matter. You guys should be doing better than that. And then he gets onto the practical part of what it is. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And this is the power. This is the reason. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Beautiful, hey? That's what, that's what we're doing. And so we have some very, very clear guidelines in the scripture, right, in terms of what receiving communion is all about. This is why, by the way, it's called the primary act of worship for the believer. Because it's the representing of the sacrifice of Christ. This is the reason why we have life. It's because of the sacrifice of Christ. And this is why it's the primary act. We represent the cross to ourselves and to one another. When we eat the bread and drink from the cup, we receive into our lives the healing that came through Jesus' broken body and the forgiveness that came through his shed blood on our behalf. It's, it's how we, we, we step into that provision. And this passage also gives us very clear guidelines on how we should receive it. There's what it is and there's how we should receive it. It literally says in 1 Corinthians 11, each one should examine yourself before you partake of the bread. It says that. It means to make sure that, hey, you know, we're in a good place with God. I'm not just, I'm not just doing this for the sake of doing it. There's a very serious uh, meaning behind what I'm doing. We need to make sure that our hearts are pure, that we're reminded of the forgiveness of our sin and the cleansing of our hearts. Because hardness of heart is, an, is a stumbling block to intimacy with Christ isn't it? And that's, that's what we're after. That's what we're after. We're after intimacy with Christ. And when we receive communion with that in mind, it, it, it helps us make sure that, that the body of Christ is also honoring one another 
uh, in, this, in this way. And uh, I guess having said that, thinking about what the, what the idea of, what the, what the meaning of communion is and what it represents. Does that make sense, by the way? Are we all still with me? Is that, is that okay? Um, what aspect of that, what aspect of the partaking of communion can we apply practically to our lives today? Is there a message? Is there another a, a point? Is there another meaning in the practice that Christians do that we can draw from and use as an encouragement? Well, there's a whole lot, in fact. There's so much in the practice of, 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 of communion, of refocusing, of reprioritizing, so, you know, coming back to the heart of things. There's so much that we can draw from. But for the purposes of our, of our time together this morning, because I, I do want to give us enough time to, to, to receive it, I want to talk to you about the power of eliminating distractions in your walk with the Lord. I want to talk to you about the power of eliminating distractions in your walk with the Lord and coming back to what is, to what is most central to the Christian faith. You know, it's true that all of us, face distractions of various kinds and various times. Is that true? All of us. Everything from, you know, YouTube shorts online when you're trying to work to chocolate bars to bars themselves. Ooh, okay. Still stuck on the communion wine thing, I see. Um, but we know, we know that there's a call on all of us to start a, you know, at, the, at the start of a new year especially, to eliminate some of those things and to come back, just come back to the place of focusing on what's most important. And I'm discovering that this is perhaps something that's going to tie into the vision for us as Father's House JB for the year as well. In fact, it's been, a, it's been a theme globally, I think, for the church for a while. But I'm realizing that, that in the practice of communion, one of the most beautiful aspects is that we intentionally, as Christ's children, Eliminate distractions for a moment. We, we, we reposition ourselves where we focus clearly on the face of Christ. I think, I think there's, a, there's a theme there that we're going to unpack throughout this year. I think it's because there's something so powerful about forgetting what is ultimately secondary and remembering what or who is primary. There's such a power in that. You see, and this is the part that's going to tie into the vision. When we, when we have our distractions set aside, when, when Christ is at the center, we go further down the right roads in life and less far down the wrong ones. We have a great conviction about the correct path that God has for us, both in big decisions and in everyday moments. When we, when we, when we fix our focus on Christ, things flow smoother. Not because circumstances changed or got easier, but because you had a new perspective. We see things differently, and instead of looking down at disappointment, we look up at opportunity. When we position ourselves as the listener instead of the talker, we have renewed energy because we have received before we have poured out. You see, Holy Communion, friends, is not just a ritual to be observed, it's a blessing to be received. Holy Communion is not just a ritual to be observed. It's a blessing to be received. And when we, as the body of Christ, intentionally still our minds, clear out the clutter, get rid of the noise and the distractions and the busyness and chaos of life, which is a good idea anyway, right? In and of itself. It's good to just have those moments where you, okay, deep breath, you know, especially if your toddler is taking two hours to fall asleep every night. Lord, help me. Um, but when we do that, when we focus in on what the Lord has done for us, we, we cause our spirits to awaken 
to who we really are and who we really serve. There's something there. We invite the power of Christ and what he did on our behalf to, to, to rush into our souls and fill us with his life. And I'm convinced, church, that there's gonna be a unique and special revival in the body of Christ this year. There will be. But my feeling is that it will be rooted in and characterized by intimacy with the Lord. That I, that I think is where, is where the great revival will happen. It'll be rooted in and characterized by intimacy with the Lord. And whether you're listening here this morning or listening online to the podcast, maybe, maybe this is your year to, to take that first step, to, to, to seek the face of the Lord intentionally. Yeah, maybe this is the time when you eliminate some distractions, the noise and the clutter that is, that is, you know, taken that has distracted you from what church is and what God is, and what this whole spiritual life is all about. My encouragement to you is just say yes to that to that, to that invitation. Maybe this is your year, just to just to say yes and to just focus for a moment on Christ's face. And I promise you, when you do, you'll receive the peace in your soul that you know you need. And so this idea, friends, about positioning ourselves to be in a place of intimacy is the part that I want to lean into this morning and share a very short passage of Scripture and two simple points with you that'll help us, that'll help us shift our focus, that'll help us position ourselves well to receive from God this year. It's from a well-known story in the Bible. It's from the interaction. It's a story of the interaction between Jesus, Mary, and Martha. Who knows this story? Quick little show of hands, the saints. You guys get a free cappuccino in heaven one day when you get there. It's, a, it's the, it's the well-known story, and this is the, this is the, this is the tension, I guess, that we're, that we're talking about this morning. The tension between, okay, I don't want to give my, give my notes away. Let's just read the passage. Luke 10, 38. While they were traveling, while they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. That's the first invitation, perhaps, for you this morning, is just welcoming, welcome him in, friend, welcome him in. Um... She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. <laughs> How incredible is that story? I have a feeling that we'll camp out in this passage a lot more this year, coming back to that vision. But for this morning, let me just say that the first position we can take when it comes to eliminating distractions and focusing on God to receive the blessing that he has in store for us this year is that we can go from speaking first to listening first. We can go from speaking first to listening first. I find it so fascinating that we don't hear anything about Mary speaking in this passage. We don't hear anything about what she said. We just hear about Martha. You see, Mary was the one listening to Jesus. And friends, I wonder how differently this year would look for you if instead of telling God what your plans are for this year, you instead listen to him first about what his plans are for you this year. I wonder how differently our year would look. Would we spend less time on what's least important and more time on what's most important? And by doing so, feel like we've gone further and achieved more than we've ever done before. 
I wonder, would we, would we find more fulfillment in the, in the everyday stuff of life all because we listened first and gained a new perspective? I wonder, I wonder what we would trust God for this year, friends, what that list would look like if we listened first. I wonder, I wonder. And you know, listening, listening to God isn't a, isn't a long drawn out thing. You know, um, I just want to debunk that myth. It, it literally begins in a moment when you quiet in your heart and your mind and you say, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. Speak to me. I want to hear from you. It doesn't have to involve a three-hour worship set for you to hear from the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? May I encourage us this year, friends, in our, in our relationship with the Lord, let's, let's eliminate the distractions by listening first, not speaking first, and trust Him with what He reveals to us. Can you say amen to that? And then secondly and lastly, it's a shorter message today, as I mentioned. We can go from serving first to sitting first. Serving first to sitting first. It sounds kind of counterintuitive to the culture of today, right? We should be busy. We should be doing stuff. We should be achieving. We should be going. And what's interesting about this text, though, is, and perhaps you skipped over it as I did when I first read this, read this passage about Mary and Martha. In the, in the Jewish culture of the time, the students of a rabbi, right, the teacher of the law, they would, they would indicate that they are learning from him by sitting at his feet. That was the posture that they took. They would sit at the rabbi's feet when he taught them. And this was to show that, this was to show everyone that you were becoming his disciple when you sat at the feet of the rabbi as he taught. This was, this was your indication that you were becoming his disciple. And what would have been shocking to the culture of this time where this story takes place only men were permitted to sit at the feet of rabbis. And here we have Mary. Here we have Mary, who was more concerned with learning from the master than pleasing people. Seated at the feet of Jesus going for anything else. Let me, let me eliminate some distractions to what's secondary. And despite what the people are saying, let me be seated at the feet of my teacher. I don't care what they say. I need to hear what he says. So beautiful, my word. There's Mary, there's this picture, there's this position. And just, by the way, before we um, you know, go, go after Martha here you know, for, for, being, for being busy and or for, you know, before we start calling each other Marthas whenever we, whenever we do stuff for the Lord, this is, this is not an excuse not to be active, right? This is not a, <laughs> please listen to what he's saying here. This is not saying you just sit there and do nothing. Jesus didn't rebuke her for her work. Notice that. He, he just said, just don't be worried about that now. I'm, I'm with you. There's only one thing that's necessary now. You kind of get the sense that Jesus is saying, yes, I know there'll be lots of work to do in my kingdom. We know that there is more than what we're able to do. But just for a moment, friend, don't neglect what's primary for what's secondary. Just don't even let the need for a good thing serving Serving, distract you from being with me as my disciple. Don't even let the good thing of serving distract you just from being with me as my disciple. I think there's something to be said this year, church, about an intimate discipleship journey with the Lord. One that reflects the heart of Mary that says, distractions aside for a moment. It teaches here. And despite what culture says, despite what they say, I need to hear what he says. I need to hear what he says, and, and I'm convinced when we do that, when we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus, 
eliminating distractions when we go from, from, from serving to sitting first, we'll see a new side of our faith. We will. 100% we will. We'll experience a deeper dynamic of God's presence. When we eliminate the distraction, even of the good thing, and just, just for a moment, just receive from him. It's almost like Jesus is saying, just come and be with me. Because guess what? I, I, I think us as people, we suffer from the hero syndrome. You know what that is, right? The hero syndrome. The world will fall apart if I'm not there. My company will fall apart if I'm not there. My town will fall apart if I'm not there. We all fall into that trap. I've been there. It's how I hit burnout in 2019. You know, hero syndrome, savior syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Before we can do another thing for God, God just wants you. He just wants you. He just wants you. And I have a feeling for us as a church right now that as we look forward to this year, this is, this is, this is where that revival is going to sit. And I hope this morning, friends, that we find a little bit of encouragement from this, from this passage. Looking at the spiritual practice of communion to, to, to eliminate some of those distractions, whatever they are for you. And focus on who is most important. Who is most important this year as we place our trust in Him. Just remember these two simple ideas and we'll unpack them further throughout this year. Remembering Christ and positioning ourselves over distraction or being distraction free means that we go from speaking first to listening first and then we go from serving first to sitting first at His feet. This is the beautiful reminder that communion helps create for us. We live because He lives. Can you say amen to that?